Okay, um, to avoid the gremlins interrupting with the message this morning, I decided to show the DVD clip first, and then we'll get into the uh, PowerPoint presentation. But uh, before we see what we're going to see here, um, I hope you noticed the words in the song that we just sang. It talked about the faithfulness of God. Did you notice that? In creation. And uh, it was from everything in the, the solar system, the planets, the moon, the earth, down to uh, fields and food and seasons. God is faithful. And he has been since creation and will continue to be. But those things in that song that we so often take for granted are going to someday be turned into turmoil. It's going to be a time uh, that Jesus described as a time such as the world has never seen nor will ever see again. It's called the tribulation. The Bible talks about it a lot. And uh, the book of Revelation, which we're going through right now with Noad, uh, in particular, has a lot to say about it. And uh, Noad asked me to take the week. Uh, he was down in L.A. Of course, this being the week of Passover. He's home uh, with the family. So uh, I, one of my favorite subjects is preparatory previews of the tribulation that God has been giving us just in the last few decades. It's just amazing to me how God is alerting people to the fact that not only the things in Revelation possible, which people used to think weren't, they are now becoming probable. It's amazing. It's only in the last couple of decades. It's incredible. People have done a 180. So that now the scientists and the media are saying it's just a matter of time until all of these things isn't that happen. Isn't that incredible? Now, why is God doing that? You know, that's just his grace. He's doing that. He's warning people that way. And so uh, I want to uh, take the message this morning. And we're going to look at just a few of the things in the book of Revelation and how they are no longer just in your Bible, but they are on the headlines of the newspapers and the TV. So uh, the first one, I'm going to explain later why you're seeing what you're seeing. But I just want you to watch carefully. What, what you're going to see here is um, a visualization of what a gamma ray burst would be like if it hit the earth. We'll talk about it, what it is later. I just want you to see it. In particular, what I want you to notice is when it comes to the scene where you're seeing the earth at a distance and you're going to see uh, an area of darkness just move across the, the face of the earth. Okay? Watch for that. You're going to see it twice. And we'll talk about its significance later. Okay, go ahead. Play that. We don't have any sound, um, but we're just, uh, this is supposed to be an uh, a, uh, enactment of what it'll be like if a gamma ray burst were to hit the earth. Everything's normal. Kids are playing ball. People are eating lunch. Like Jesus said, you know, marrying and giving in marriage. All of a sudden, there'd be a bright, blinding flash in the sky. And uh, what it will do, there is so much energy in these things, the gamma ray burst, it will literally burn off the ozone layer. What this guy is saying is, you know, we think the uh, atmosphere is full of oxygen. You know what it's mostly made out of? Nitrogen. That's right. An inert gas. Here we go. Now, look at this. This is, can you imagine? That's what it'll be like. You're going to finish the scene in a minute. This guy's getting excited and he has a good reason to. Look at it. See, darkness sweeps across the earth takes a little time 
But the whole ozone layer will just be wiped out. Okay, that's good. Did you, everybody see that? You saw that, that uh, it, it kind of moved across the sky. Okay, we're going to call our message Scenes from Revelation. Now, before uh, we get into it, I'd like to just read a passage from Isaiah, Isaiah 24. God's been talking about these kind of things for a long time. Isaiah was written 600 years before the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said these things are coming way back then. God describes what it's going to be like on planet Earth during that time in a very graphic way here in Isaiah 24. Listen to the language here. Verse 17. Fear and the pit and the snare are upon you, O inhabitant of the earth. And it shall be that he who flees from the noise of the fear shall fall into the pit. And he who comes up from the midst of the pit shall be caught in the snare. For the windows from on high are open and the foundations of the earth are shaken. The earth is violently broken. The earth is split open. The earth is shaken exceedingly. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard and shall totter like a hut. Its transgression shall be heavy upon it and it will fall and not rise again. Okay. Revelation chapter 6. There are scrolls. There are bowls. There are trumpets in the book of Revelation. Seven each. We don't have time to go through all 21 of them. So I thought I'd just focus on the bowls this morning here. Oh, pardon me, the seals, which is uh, found in chapter 6. And uh, take a look at each one and how we're seeing previews of these events even right now in our lifetime. Let me stress, these are not the fulfillments of these prophecies we're living in. Praise God, I have good news for you if you know Jesus Christ. We're not going to be here. Okay? There's a clearly taught event in the Bible called the rapture. And we have been spared from the wrath to come because Jesus already bore it for us. So there's going to be an incredible event where first God is going to snatch away all true believers. Not those who say they're Christians, those who really are Christians. And he's going to take them out of the scene before he treats the earth the way you saw described there in Isaiah. Okay. Now, having said that, let's read... Um, Chapter 6, beginning in verse 1 of Revelation. Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to, and to conquer. Why don't you go to the next slide there, and we'll uh, itemize these. That's the Antichrist there. We're going to talk about him in a minute. Second seal, when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out. And it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. Verse 5, third seal. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come and see. So I looked and behold, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius. And do not harm the oil and the wine. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, come and see. So I looked 
And behold, a pale horse. And the name of him who sat on it was death. And Hades followed with him. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beasts of the earth. Verse 12. I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood. And the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Here's what you just saw graphically. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up. And every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come. And who is able to stand? Those are solemn words. And they're going to happen because God said they will. Are you ready? Uh, back in the 60s, it was really popular uh, among Christians to make end time movies. I don't know if you, any of you have ever seen of them. And I hate to say it, they just don't do justice to the words in Revelation. Typically, they'd try to portray what it's like in the tribulation, and they'd have a family in suburbia there, uh, and the mom or dad just went down to the grocery store, and they're coming with a load of groceries, and they turn on the TV and the radio, and they hear remotely about some bad thing happening in some other part of the earth. But other than that, pretty much is business as usual. You know, bad things happening here and there. Nothing could be further from the truth. It's going to be a terrible time. In fact, the second uh, plague here, the second uh, seal, is really anarchy. Governments are not going to be able to function. Tom's nodding his head. He knows about this kind of stuff. You don't realize how fragile governments really are in countries and so on. It's going to be a terrible time. And uh, there's going to be, in particular, next slide, uh, an individual who's going to rise like the world has never seen. They try to dramatize. I think uh, even in Left Behind, I think they did a dramatization and they got some guy to try to play the Antichrist. I'm sorry. In the middle of this last week of Daniel 7, uh, pardon me, Daniel 9, you that know your Bible know what I'm talking about, the Antichrist is going to break his treaty with the nation of Israel. And at that exact same moment, the devil is going to be kicked out of heaven. He has access to it right now. He will no longer have access. And it says later in the book of Revelation, when that happens, uh, the, the angels talk to us, so to speak. And they say this, woe to you who dwell on the earth, because the devil has come down to you knowing he has but a short time. That's scary. He knows uh, because it's written in the Bible and God doesn't lie. He ha- his doom is sure. But right now, he's roaming free. But when he's kicked out of heaven, he knows exactly how long he's got. It's three and a half times 360. 1260 days. He runs it right down to the day. And uh, the woe is because he is going to just pull out all the stops and do what he has never done before. And the Antichrist will be literally the devil incarnate. You talk about demon possession, we're talking about devil possession for three and a half years. You've never seen anybody like this guy. Okay? 
Remember, the devil is God's highest created being. You know how smart he is? You know how well he knows human nature? <laughs> He's going to do miracles. He is going to wow the world like no, but I, we, you've seen great people and they're a, a charismatic, impressive people. Let me tell you, you ain't seen nothing yet until you've seen and heard the Antichrist. It, the, the phrase in Revelation is this. People will say, who is like the beast? And that's right. Nobody has ever seen any, anything like what this guy is going to be. He's going to be uh, such a, a charismatic figure. Think about it. He's going to bring peace to the Middle East. Can you imagine somebody doing that now? Kissinger tried. And in fact, he made a little inroads and immediately, you know what everybody said? Kissinger's the Antichrist. Remember that? No. Now, the Antichrist, I'll tell you, he's, he's going to be uh, this most uh, powerful being as a man. He's going to have all the knowledge and the power of the devil himself. It's going to be incredible. And it's no wonder the world's going to worship him. Some by coercion, but I'm sorry to say, many if not most, simply because they believe he's God. That's what it's going to be like. In the midst of chaos, by the way, the world's going to be in utter chaos with all this uh, stuff coming on as God is judging the earth through all of this. So, remember that, okay? That's, that's the guy, and it's going to be a period of incredible uh, uh, anarchy. That's, that's the second thing. By the way, I say, uh, before we go any further, verse 2, uh, it says, I looked and behold a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. You see, he's such a diplomat. He, he puts Hitler to shame in his phony war when he took over countries. This, this guy, without even firing a shot, is going to not only bring peace to the Middle East, he's going to rule over basically the whole world. Can you imagine? Can you imagine governments giving their power to him? You ain't met anybody like this guy, I'll tell you. That's him. Okay, next is uh, anarchy. You say, where do you get that at? Well, read it. He says, uh, it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. And you say, well, that's war. No, it's not. Does it say war? No. When God means war, he says war. He doesn't say that. He says, peace is going to be removed from the earth so that people will kill one another. That's what happens in an extreme anarchic situation. We're already seeing the early rumblings of it right now. Do you realize that? You know, I grew up being used to, oh yeah, people die in masses when you have a war where guys who have uniforms on, they're the ones that get shot at. Right? That's the way it's historically been. Times have changed, haven't they? People are killing one another. From uh, 9-11 to the bombings around the world to acts of terrorism, these aren't people in uniforms shooting at people in uniforms. They are ordinary people, well, ordinary in the sense that they're not soldiers, killing just people like you and me, right? It's a, it's a recent phenomenon, and it's getting worse. There's a, a worldwide group, it's a branch of the United Nations, and they study things like this, and they keep track of uh, deaths due to major events. They just uh, recently came out with the uh, statistics for 2006. They call it, Victims Worldwide is a Result of Incidents of Terrorism. It's all over the world. It's not just uh, Iraq, by the way. It's everywhere. 
When you first look at the statistics, it looks pretty stable. They haven't done 2007 yet. They're, they're, they're going to be released probably uh, in a couple of months. But uh, in 2005, there were a total of 74,217 victims worldwide of acts of terrorism. That's uh, always kidnapped, killed, or injured. In 2006, uh, it only went up to 74,543. Right? Well, listen to how those statistics break down. In 2005, of those uh, 74,000, 34,838 were kidnapped and later released. In 2006, only 15,000 were kidnapped. In 2005, 14,600 were killed. In 2006, 20,500 were killed. They don't bother kidnapping anymore, you see. The injured went up from 25,000 to 38,000 over that year. And they expect the statistics to be a lot worse when they get the final numbers for 2007. These are shocking statistics. These are the numbers on the order of wars, you know, when it comes to death and so on. You see, God said it. I love God's word, man. He says it exactly the way it is. He doesn't say wars. We always have wars. We're going to have wars. But he doesn't say that. He says he's going to remove peace from the earth and people are going to kill one another. And that's we're just seeing a little glimpse of it right now, you see. Watch what happens in countries when the government breaks down. Remember Rwanda? That's that's an illustration. The government couldn't do a thing. One million people were slaughtered and they weren't soldiers. They were just ordinary folks, neighbors killing neighbors. It was that serious. It was terrible. Yugoslavia, Albania, we could go around the world and just list the countries where this sort of thing has already begun to happen. But you see, when the structure of a government or a country or the world falls apart and people don't have enough to eat and they're looking out for number one, that's when these kind of things happen. Well, that's what it's going to be like, you see. So God's word is precise. Uh, The third one. In verses 5 and 6, was famine. I love it when I'm uh, preaching a message. God always seems to uh, bring a nice illustration around that week. <laughs> he gave me two, actually, this week. But uh, one that was particularly interesting to me was actually in the headlines last Monday. The headline is this, Riots, instability spread as food prices skyrocket. Riots from Haiti, that's in the Caribbean, and Mozambique, that's in Africa, to Bangladesh, that's in Asia, to Egypt, that's, you know, that's in the Middle East. We're talking about around the world. Over the soaring costs of basic foods have brought the issue to a boiling point and catapulted it to the forefront of the world's attention, the head of an agency focused on global development said Monday. This is the world's big story, said Jeffrey Sachs, director of Columbia University's Earth Institute. The finance ministers were in shock, almost in panic this weekend, he said on CNN's American Morning, in a reference to top economic officials who gathered in Washington. There are riots all over the world in the poor countries. And the clip they had was uh, a big bonfire out on the street in, uh, in Mozambique. It's serious. In just two months, he said, rice prices have skyrocketed to near historical levels, rising by around 75% globally. 
and more in some markets, with more likely to come. In Bangladesh, a two-kilogram bag of rice now consumes about half the daily income of a poor family. The price of wheat has jumped 120% in the past year, meaning that the price of a loaf of bread has more than doubled in places where the poor spend as much as 75% of their income on food. Now, we're not in the tribulation yet. You see, this is just a little glimpse of what it's going to be like. Okay, uh, next is a disease and plague. That's uh, the Ebola virus there. You've never seen one. Uh, what's interesting to me is I got saved in the, in the early 70s. I grew up in the 50s. I'm a baby boomer. And if you remember those days, anybody here is old enough to remember back that far. That was the age of optimism, the 1950s, wasn't it? Yeah. After the war, you know, the, the war that finally settled everything, and you got the little, nice little house in suburbia with the roses climbing up the trellis, you know. And the world problems, yeah, they were going to be solved. Uh, polio vaccine was out. We conquered polio. Tuberculosis was conquered. Diphtheria, one by one, all the big diseases were being conquered. And they were predicting that pretty soon there wouldn't be any left. You're laughing. We didn't laugh then. We said, yeah, it's obvious. That's the way we're going. Yeah, we laugh now, don't we? I'll just give you uh, three phrases. AIDS, Ebola, mad cow disease. They didn't even know about those things then. In fact, uh, these are all incurable diseases I just named, by the way. Okay? And they are incredibly deadly, as we all know. There are new ones cropping up every year. And all they know is that they kill people, but they don't know how they do it. I mean, they know the symptoms, but they can't stop it. And so all of a sudden, the, the medical community that was so you know complacent and pretty soon we're going to be out of business, they don't know where to start. To this day, they, they uh, really have made little or no progress, even on AIDS, that they've poured trillions of dollars into. You think maybe God might have something to do with it? We all know about influenza, the flu. Ever had the flu? You should thank God you only had the mild strain. Did you know that after the First World War in 1918, 80 million people died worldwide from the flu? It was a particularly wicked strain. People were dead within a couple of days. They literally drowned in their own fluids. It was that serious. And it's only been by the grace of God that every year, it comes around every year, the strains that have come, God has made them the kinds that, you know, our bodies can fight off. But as you, you've heard, right, avian flu, they're, they're waiting. And um, it's still right on the headlines of the uh, WHO, the World Health Organization. They say just because it's out of the media, it's just as dangerous as ever. And they're waiting for not an epidemic, it's called a pandemic. You know what a pandemic is? It's one all over the world. And what's interesting is you see how they try to keep down the estimates of the deaths. If, if, it, if it gets turned loose. Because they start with the uh, known figures from World War I, which is 80 million. The population of the Earth then was uh, about 1.8 billion. Well, the population now is about 6.5 billion. That's about uh, three and a half times as big. So you can start with that, multiply by three and a half, and you get about 300 billion deaths. Uh, pardon me, 300 million deaths. Well, 
you say, well, we got technology now. Well, I'm sorry. They've tried things. They haven't, they haven't found anything that stops whenever, they, whenever it's hit Hong Kong that stops this, this form. It's, it's an agonizing death. But uh, the, the problem that you have that pushes the number up is world travel that they didn't have then. You know, guy hops in a plane in China and he's here a few hours later. Wasn't like that in 1918. You know, it's, people are going everywhere. And that's their big concern. You can't close national borders quick enough to stop the spread. And they acknowledge that. And you can, as you read the articles, you can see how helpless they feel. Okay, Um, number five. That's an N-E-O. Not a NEO. You know what that stands for? Very good, yes. It's a euphemism. I love that phrase, a near-earth object. That's pretty near to the earth, isn't it? (laughs) It's a euphemism they came up with a few years ago. Um, Really, it came to the public's attention back in the late uh, 80s. There was an asteroid called Asclepius. And uh, it actually came, it, it was, it's uh, 300 meters across. That's a kilometer across. If it had hit the Earth, we wouldn't be here today. Okay, it's, it's that serious. It, it came closer to the Earth than the moon is. And it freaked everybody out because they didn't even know it was coming. A- again, keep this in perspective. God was reminding us, okay? Up until that time, we're sitting here complacently looking at all these craters on the moon and Mercury, you know, and Mars and all the other planets and so on, saying, well, yeah, it happens to them, but it doesn't happen to us. Hello? God was uh, warning us there, I believe. In fact, I first learned about it. I'm an amateur astronomer, and I used to subscribe to Sky and Telescope. That's like the publication for amateur astronomers. And uh, I love the way the media describes these things. Sometimes they have... Uh, greater phrases than you and I do. The name of the article to describe how we almost got hit by this huge asteroid was a shot across Earth's bow. Isn't that good? You know what a shot across the bow is, you you, you former Navy guys? If Matt was here, he'd tell you. Yeah, it's a warning. It's a warning shot. They've been doing it for hundreds of years. You get a a ship coming in and you you want to take another ship or get them to stop so you can come on board. And they and you tell them and they don't cooperate, you fire a shot across the bow, it's the front of the ship, just over it, to let them know if you wanted, you could have hit them. And it's also saying the next shot is not going to miss. Isn't that good? Or bad, depending on your point of view? Because that's exactly what it was. Now, there are every uh, major country in the world has uh, a, a new agency that's studying the sky, scanning the skies with newly made telescopes, trying to find out how many of these things are out there and what their trajectories are ahead of time. Uh, go on the web. There are lists of them. They're literally thousands long now. And uh, they, you know, they, they color code them. Red means, uh-oh, you know, when this one gets here, what are we going to do? Down to yellow and green, you know. Check it out. They're finding literally hundreds every year now that they had no idea were out there. And the euphemism, of course, is near-Earth objects. That's when it comes around the same distance as the moon to us. Because when it's that close and it's that far away, they don't know if it's going to miss us or not. It may, may well hit us. 
We have a, 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 a new um, uh, telescope survey going on right now in our own country. In fact, it was announced just a few months ago, November of 2007. Interestingly, uh, the acronym is called WISE. I don't know if that means because they're getting WISE. But uh, it stands for Wide Field Infrared Survey Explorer. And its express purpose is to uh, try to find these guys before they get here. Well, I know of at least uh, three that are going to make it. And they're all in the book of Revelation. What I love about the word of God is uh, time and time again, he says his, his word is like uh, silver refined in the fire seven times. He calls through the word, man, and, and every word is exactly right. Do you know that? It's perfect. What's amazing to me, people read these things in here about the obviously comets or asteroids or something hitting the earth. Um, we read one of them here. Look, look ahead just real quick here at chapter 8. There are two more. This is in the trumpets. Chapter 8, verse 8. Then the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and the third of the sea became blood. Uh, and then verse 10. Then the third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. What I love about this, I don't know if you know this, they didn't know what meteors and comets and asteroids were when John wrote this in 90 AD. Okay? And every description he gives, each one is different, is a perfect description of that. Which now we know what they are. And uh, it's like um, God, God gave uh, John this vision. Can you imagine he allowed John to see it? Imagine what John must have felt as he sees this happening to the earth. This wasn't some hoked up Hollywood special effect. Okay? God showed John in advance what it will be like. Could you imagine? So one of the views is back here in chapter six, he said the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs. Um, and that's exactly what it, what it would look like because it would break up in the atmosphere and you'd have all of these, you know, substructures coming down. If I had time, I, uh, we, we'd show you another the clip. By the way, that DVD, I told you the media is great at titles, right? That DVD is made by ABC News. That's not a Christian DVD. The title is Last Days on Earth. <laughs> and uh, they just go through the various scenarios that the scientists are putting before us now saying, hey, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. From um, gamma ray burst, black hole, super volcano. You know about those? Ask me, by the way. This is not some little cone. This is the thing that's the size of Yosemite. Uh, asteroid, nuclear war, plague, climate change. And they go through each one of these. And, and in the asteroid, they, they show, it, it, it looks like John was describing what the, they uh, showed graphically. It looks like a bunch of stars going across the sky because it breaks up. They're not cute, though. They look pretty. But when they hit, it's, it's bad news. Okay. In another description, he said it was like a torch. Is that interesting? If, you, if you've seen a torch, you've got the uh, stuff that's flammable, kind of like in a little ball at the end of it, and then you've got the flames coming off like that. That's exactly what it looks like, isn't it? In another one, he said it was like a mountain, a flaming mountain on fire. So God gave him a close enough view that he could see it's like a huge mountain, a rock 
but it's on fire because it's going through the earth's atmosphere let me tell you john had not had lessons in astronomy it's a perfect description in every case of uh, an extra terrestrial object going through our atmosphere and burning up and striking the earth you don't have to throw your brains out scientifically to believe the bible okay in fact you're keeping them if you do uh and if that weren't enough having all this stuff god actually allowed us to see it happen you remember 1994 the planet jupiter mike next one you remember this it was the comet shoemaker levy it broke up and uh, it was so big that they knew it was going to hit the, the planet jupiter and so they just scientists all train their telescope let's oh boy you know let's watch this and it broke up into uh however many numbers there are from the letter a to w because that's they called each fragment you know a letter of the alphabet and they just watched them wham 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 hit jupiter one after the other this is actually one where they actually captured the profiles that came in and this is actually a huge plume that's as big as the earth okay think about that that's as big as the entire earth all right next slide in fact uh, a lot of it happened on the side that was hidden from us so as the planet turned around and we saw the after effects see these blotches here those are the trails this is that's the size of the earth right there and you cannot imagine the chaos that you would have experienced if you'd been there when that thing hit it it would be unbelievable here's uh some words about it uh, Galileo was a uh, satellite we had out that was not too far away and it was able to measure some of the stuff. It detected a fireball which reached a peak temperature of about 24,000 degrees Kelvin. Um, the cloud uh, reached up to 3,000 kilometers. That's 2,000 miles up. Okay, 2,000 miles. That's the cloud from the, from the explosion of hitting the planet. Um, the spot uh, of the initial impact was visible in very small telescopes and was about uh, 6,000 uh, miles across. That's about uh, a kilometer. It's about uh, 4,000 miles. The biggie, which was fragment G, uh, hit on the sixth day. And it created a dark spot over 12,000 kilometers across. That's about uh, uh, six time, point, point 0.6 times 12. About eight, seven, eight miles. Uh, thousand, excuse me. And was estimated to, here's what you want to hear. I know you're, you're lost in the numbers here. Here's, here's the key. It released an energy equivalent to about 6 million megatons of TNT. Okay, a big uh, hydrogen bomb is maybe 100 megatons. That's about the biggest they ever made. This is 6 million megatons. So that the energy that it released when it hit was 750 times the world's arsenal of nuclear weapons, all set off at once. 750 times that. You don't want to be here when this thing hits the earth. Okay? Okay. And uh, like you read the, uh, you read the uh, articles and they're, you know, all they're saying is just a matter of time. Well, they're right. Not because of their calculations, but because God said so. It's been his grace that we've been spared so far. Okay. Uh, number six. GRBs. GRBs. We didn't even know what GRBs were until the 60s. There's an interesting story behind this. 
And they have no idea what it looks up, like up close. This is kind of an artist's uh, impression because they're so far away, we can't, we can't see what they really look like up close. It started this way. Uh, in, the, in the late 50s, we signed the nuclear test ban treaty with Russia. We're going to do any more tests, right? Well, it's not that we didn't trust them or anything, but uh, we wanted to make sure that they didn't violate that. And so we came up with a satellite program called the Vela program. It was top secret, uh, and it wasn't uh, released really that it happened until the late 70s. But we put a bunch of satellites up, and uh, they were to detect bursts of gamma rays. It's high energy light. Okay, it's like light, except it's not visible. It's in the higher energy spectrum, very, very uh, strong. And uh, the reason they, they were made to do that is because a nuclear explosion gives off a lot of gamma rays. You can't hide that, okay? If you set off a nuclear explosion, there will be gamma rays. And there are such high energy and there's so much of them, it, you can detect them. So that's why they put these things up there to keep an eye, particularly if the Russians might do a, uh, a space shot, you know, where nobody'd see it. That was the idea. Well, they get these guys up there, and uh, lo and behold... They start reporting back down to Earth that there's a gamma ray burst going off about every day, once a day. And, the, and they're scratching their heads going, whoa, you know, uh, we didn't see anything. And, and, and when they looked at the spectrum of the gamma rays, they didn't match a nu uh, nuclear bomb. So they're trying to figure out where are these things coming from. Uh, it took a while, but uh, as they began to, they saw they were coming from way out there. I mean, you know, out in the sky somewhere. Uh, so they started looking for some object to relate them to. You know, where, where exactly are they coming from? They couldn't find anything. They're just kind of boop, boop, you know, coming from every direction, randomly, so to speak. Well, imagine their amazement when they finally identified one of them with an object, and it was a galaxy that was barely visible to the most powerful telescope. So this shot was coming from another galaxy, not ours, okay? And they calculated that the energy in this thing was so great that at the moment it happened, it lasts for a few seconds, it releases, listen to this, more energy than an entire galaxy does with all of its stars and sun shining and giving off energy in a given moment. Can you imagine that? All of the energy in a galaxy concentrated in one blast. Praise God, you know, we haven't had a close one yet. So they, uh, the, the scientists began to go away and say, oh man, you know, we didn't even know these things existed. What if one were to hit the earth? You know, they're hitting the earth right now, but they're so far away. Praise God. You know, we didn't even know they were there. So they said, what if we had one of these in our own galaxy and it hit the earth? And that's where you saw that video. They have a whole section on gamma ray bursts. Um, and first of all, it would uh, just totally destroy uh, our atmosphere. And in fact, this is uh, what I like about it here. Let's go back and read verse uh, 14 of chapter 6. It says, John says this, And the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up. Now, for the longest time, people have read that verse and, you know, the scoffers go, oh, come on, you know, how are you going to roll up the sky? Isn't the Bible silly? No, I couldn't think of a more uh, 
perfect way of describing what you just saw on that. Could you? The sky was literally rolling up. And in fact, look, remember, John has to write in his words given to him by God, but, you know, he's not going to say gamma ray burster, you know. He has to write what it looked like to him. And I think God gave him a view from the earth for what it will be for people on the earth to see if this is indeed what it is. Because it would look exactly like that. If you were on the earth, the gamma ray burst would hit the atmosphere. It would uh, combine the ozone with all that nitrogen that's up there into nitrous oxides, which is what, Andy? Right, smog, brown gas. But we're not talking, you know, a little bit in L.A. here in the basin. We're talking about tens of miles, okay, of nothing but nitrous oxides. So we lose our ozone layer that protects us, by the way, from harmful radiation. That's number one bad thing. Number two, all of a sudden, it'll be dark. You'd have this tens of miles thick layer of darkness between us and the sun and everything that illuminates. And the way it would happen is the gamma ray burst would hit one side of the earth it would create the nitrous oxide on that side, but the other side wouldn't see it for a few minutes. What would happen is it would react and it would go around the earth, just as you saw in that dramatization. And if you looked up, you'd actually see it, just the darkness just go across the sky like that, taking away the pretty blue and the brightness until it was just all dark up there. And it would, you would say, somebody's rolling up the sky. Isn't that incredible? John said it here 2,000 years ago. Now, I don't know if that's what it's going to be. Boy, it sure sounds like it. And people aren't laughing anymore. Because again, they're saying it's just a matter of time now. They realize once a day they're detecting them from out, out in the universe. And if it hit us, uh, besides losing the ozone layer and the incredible heat, all the harmful radiation coming down, uh, you'd want to get out. The safest place would be underground. Okay. In fact, if you'd heard the audio on that, that's what he'd say. He was saying, you know, even the guys in the basement, they'd be fried. You, you've got to get down, way down. What's interesting to me is, did you notice the next verse? The kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains. That's exactly what people would do if indeed a gamma ray burster hit the earth. That's the only place you could go. And now you can imagine being down there. Everything that you want and need is up there. But you're not going to go up there and enjoy it anymore. Wouldn't you be tend to say something like this? Just fall on us and kill us. You know, let us get out of the sight of God and his judgment. We're not going back up there. No more uh, TV, you know. Might as well die. I don't think it's an accident that those two are right next to each other there in the scripture it all makes sense now by the way uh the guys that produce this thing they never talk about the bible in here <laughs> they're strictly going on things that god is you know showing us are happening and that are bound to happen soon now when i'm talking about this stuff i hope you're ready if you don't know jesus christ you're going to be here for this okay and don't say, oh, well, man, when it starts, oh, I'll trust Jesus right away. No, you won't. God says he's going to take care of that. You don't play games with God. Did you know that? It says in Galatians, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. You're not going to do it. You go, ha, ha, fooled you. 
You're not going to do that. God is going to send a delusion, it says, in 2 Thessalonians, so that you will believe a lie rather than the truth. It's an act of judgment on each individual person. Now, if God makes you believe something, I think you're going to believe it whether you like, like it or not. That's what it says. So think about that. I think it'd be better if you made a decision for Christ now when you can rather than waiting. Okay, well, the last one, I, I, uh, I just love this one. We haven't read it yet. Uh, go ahead and turn uh, the next slide there, Mike. It's Revelation 12. Turn there. Another apparently fanciful section in the Word of God. People would read this and they go, oh, brother, you know, that's as bad as the sky being rolled up. Chapter 12, verse 6. Then the woman, that's Israel. At this time, it'll be believing Israel. Jews will be saved. They will recognize Jesus Christ as the Messiah in the, in the, in the end times during the tribulation. That's who the woman is. Fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. Notice the period of time. That's the great tribulation. That's when the devil comes and dwells the man who was antichrist, but he's not the man anymore. He's the devil, okay, in the flesh. And he goes after the nation of Israel big time for the remaining three and a half years of, of Daniel's prophecy. So that's why she needs that place that long, three and a half prophetic years, okay? Now the wilderness, next slide there, Mike. Wilderness, we think of, um, I, me and the boys went down to Civil War country a couple of years ago, and uh, one of the big battles uh, toward the uh, last part of the war was between Grant and Lee in a place called the Wilderness. And you go in there, and it's in uh, northern Virginia. Uh, it's just a uh, morass of foliage, you know, trees and bushes. That's what we think of as wilderness. Well, when you're in Israel, you need to remember, this is the wilderness, okay? When the Bible uses that phrase, when John the Baptist was out in the wilderness, this is what it's talking about. It's the area down south of Israel around the Dead Sea, okay? It's... It's arid, man. You know, nobody lives here, okay? It's bad news. That's the wilderness. God's going to prepare a place to save the believing Jews, the Jews who trust Christ. Uh, and he, uh, the devil hates Christians so much, he's, he's going to have had it. Remember, he knows his career is short now. He's going to go after him big time, man. And so uh, he has this place he's going to prepare in this area where they're going to flee to and be taken care of by God. Look now again at um, verse 13. Now when the dragon, that's the devil, in the Antichrist, of course, they're interchangeable at this point, saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman, that's believing Israel, who gave birth to the male child, that was Jesus. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place. There it is again which she has nourished, where she has nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent, the devil. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. That's a part the skeptics just love. You know, they go, oh, come on. Well, uh, they're not laughing anymore. This area where God will indeed take care of believing Jews during the tribulation. Uh, a lot of people don't know this. Did you know this is the lowest spot on earth? Death Valley is like a hundred or a couple of hundred feet below sea level. Do you know that? Isn't that weird? Actually below the level of the sea. 
You know how far down this is? Nobody knows. 400 meters. 1,300 feet below sea level. Can you imagine? That's a quarter of a mile. I mean, if you get a profile of the earth, here's, here's the ocean and the sea like the Mediterranean. Over here is the Dead Sea. Okay. And um, oh, when I preached on Revelation years ago, I remember going through this and, and it struck me. I thought, you know what? That place is a lot lower than the ocean. I wonder how hard it would be just to, you know, dig a ditch from the Mediterranean and the Red Sea over to the valley where it is. Once you did that, I'll tell you, there's no stopping water. You know that, right? I mean, it's incredibly powerful. Maybe that's what's being talked about here. So I went on the web just to see if anybody else had thought of it. Boy, not only have they thought of it, but the nation of Israel and Jordan have been engaged in a uh, joint project now to do just that. Two of them, in fact. One of them is a route from the Mediterranean Sea to the Dead Sea. It's called Med Dead. This is great. Everything is an ED in this. The others that come up from the south from the Red Sea, and that was called Red Dead. Okay? And they've been studying them for years, throwing, you know, a few million here, a few million there, because this is going to be an incredibly major project. The problem is this, this place is so arid, and the Dead Sea is slowly evaporating, and they're really concerned. If they could bring lots of water in because it's so low, they could uh, use, get desalination plants to get fresh water for irrigation, which they're short of, uh, replenish the Dead Sea, which is, you know, an ecological problem, and get electrical power from the hydro plants they could put along the way, all in one. Oh, and number four, they're talking about putting resorts along the way. Wouldn't that be good? Uh, and uh, the boys, before uh, they went to bed and I stayed up late last night and worked on my sermon, they wanted to sit down and we see if we'd find out the latest news on it. And I found one, March 24th, 2008. That's pretty recent, isn't it? They're, they're moving ahead full steam now. They're getting into the stages of actually planning it out and doing the impact studies. You know, how, you, know you can imagine the uh, uh, ecological groups around the world are up in arms over this. Uh, two European firms, uh, one's French and one is British, are uh, actually doing the feasibility studies now and designs and so on for actually doing this. The, the RSDC, uh, RSDSC, that's Red Sea, Dead Sea Canal, will generate electricity, provide fresh water, and prevent the Dead Sea from drying up. It will draw water from the Red Sea at Aqaba in Jordan and raise it 170 meters above sea level before letting it fall to the Dead Sea, which is 400 meters below sea level. The project, which will consist of canal, tunnel, and pipe, is designed to generate electricity and so on and so forth. They're going to t and they talk about the holiday resorts and a water park. And uh, they're serious about it because the World Bank has just put $3 billion into the effort to do this. Three billion, not three million, okay? So, now, I don't know if that's what the Bible is talking about, but the, nobody's laughing anymore, you see? Because it, it, instead of just letting this thing run a few hours a day, you just turn it on full blast. Or better yet, just blow a few uh, strategically placed holes, you know, and the water's going to come pouring in. And I could see that would be a great way to try to go after uh, the... Dear believing Jews in refuge there. You can't stop water unless you're God. And that's what it said. It said the earth swallowed it up. Isn't that cool? 
Okay, well, these are just a few glimpses. Uh, I'd love to go through all the trumpets and uh, in, the, in the vials and some of the other passages in, in Revelation. But this is an alive book, people. Okay? You're reading tomorrow's headlines today. All right? One verse, and we'll close on this. Revelation chapter 4. I was interested in this. Um, I found a, a sci- another scientific paper was actually published in a Science Magazine just last month. A scientist was writing about the uh, NEOs, the near-Earth objects. Okay, isn't that a nice euphemism? I love that. The title of the uh, article: This is not National Enquirer. This is Science Magazine. It's one of the most prestigious scientific journals out there the title of it is preparing for doomsday this is by a scientist and i i couldn't get access to it because i don't know i'm not subscribing i could get to it at the lab but uh i was at home but here's here's the uh abstract over the next several years new telescopes will spot thousands of near-earth asteroids and comets if one is headed our way will world leaders be ready is that interesting? Let me correct a few of those. First of all, it's not if one. There are three, and they are headed our way. And they're a, a time of arrival are exact. God, God's got that, okay? But the question is not will the world's leaders be ready. It's will you be ready, okay? You, you, there's nothing you're going to be able to do about a gamma ray burst or an asteroid. But you can do something about your soul, okay? Jesus made a way so you can. You trust him for the salvation of your soul and you're saved forever. Revelation 4. It's not if these things are going to happen. Listen to what God said to John before he saw any of these catastrophic visions. After these things I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this did you notice that he didn't just say i will show you things which will take place what did he say must yeah that's how certain it is why is it a must number one they have to take place because god said they would god cannot lie number two they must take place because we haven't seen sin for what it really is you know that god has held down sin and we've had the advantage of not knowing really how serious it is in the, in the tribulation, he's going to pull back and he's going to just let people do whatever they want. Uh, but more importantly, it must take place because God has to be vindicated. He has to judge sin. And he's going to do it. It's just a matter of time. Okay. We can't talk about things like that and not ask the question, are you ready? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? If you do know him, are you ready for his uh, return before these events let's pray father how we thank you for your word lord we've seen men come and go laughers mockers scoffers men who say as you said they would where is the promise of his coming all things have continued as they did from the beginning and yet your word is true and lord now we see it's as if 
the drama is ready to begin. You, you have set the stage. The curtain is ready to go up. And the play is about ready to begin. Lord, we do pray if there's anyone here who is not ready, that they might get ready by giving their life to Jesus Christ now while they can and not wait. Lord, we who know you, we pray that we might take these things to heart that, as you say, seeing that these things are so, what manner of lives ought we to live? Lord, may we live in light of them. Give us your strength and your grace day by day. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.